Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. I'm Allie. And I'm Jenny. And we're a Buffy podcast, and we are in season three. Woo! Woo! I actually cannot believe it, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. You didn't like, think this I, day would come? No, I thought we'd make it to season three. But <laughs> it feels like we did it really quickly. Yeah, it does feel like that. Well, because like we blew um, through the first season because it's like barely You any might episodes. feel that way because you blew through the second season. Hey, not the recording. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that this morning, though. I should have known. I should have figured <laughs> well, it out. I was obvious, and in retrospect, I'm mad that I didn't figure out this obvious puzzle. <laughs> I think if I thought about um, it a little bit more. We are now... <clears throat> I didn't watch anything else past these first two episodes, mm-hmm. though. Um, I promise. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I'm excited, and but... I also, I guess, should learn to appreciate it because this is going to be our last, like, short season, essentially. What do you for mean, a while. short? Because, well, because oh, if we, if next we do season, Angel. if yeah. we do Angel and Buffy, then it lengthens <sighs> the season. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So I guess okay. we should enjoy it. Um, well, not that it's, like, a chore to get through, but you no. know what I mean. I mean, and as I've stated, uh, you know, season three is my favorite, so I was not disappointed last night watching the episodes. Uh, I really <laughs> like this season. I mean, I have a lot of good things to say about it, um, <clears throat> which think I kind of, you know, leads us into a question that you just asked me right before we started taping, which was what what are we excited about to start this yeah. season? Uh, beyond um, the new opening credits that finally yeah, have yeah. the official Buffy. You were totally uh, right about that. As yeah. soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> yeah, they have the official font. I Because I was like, I missed it, and then mm-hmm. I went back and I was like, wait, I no, I need thing. to see it this year. <laughs> <laughs> they also re-recorded the theme. This is a different take of the oh, Buffy is it? theme. Mm-hmm. It's a better is one. Like more high energy or something? I think it just, yeah, I think they like got off tempo in the original one, and in this one they like tried a little harder. <laughs> Huh. I remember reading about that before we started because we were because we were using her further song and I was just like I was just reading a lot about like how that came to be and whatever and that was definitely something where they were like oh it was a pretty bad take <laughs> so they redid it <laughs> but it took two seasons um, and we have Oz in the opening credits now Seth Green yeah. is a regular so, but also Angel yeah. I feel like shows yes, have gotten so, a lot better about that in modern, yes. you know more contemporary shows where like they don't give away to you that somebody is going to come back from the dead. It's, like, not even a spoiler for right, us because, to say it, because, like, David Boreanaz is literally in the credits. Like, they're not going to do that for him yeah. to be in two dream sequences. So he, like, quote-unquote died at the end of the last season, and mm-hmm. the first episode of this season, we <clears> see <throat> him still in the opening credits, and it's like, okay, show, are you really willing to... And and this is what always gives me pause, is I'm like, is this really, like, a decision made by the creative Well, part, like, yeah, I don't think it was. ...crew on the show, or, like, is it is it in his contract that if he appears on the show, he has to appear in the opening credits, and he wasn't, he wasn't or his team wasn't willing to forego that for a set mm. number of episodes? Like, I was really upset, like, put him in the But he's in, in every episode this something. season. I know, but, like, I don't need to see him in the opening credits and have it ruined for me that he's... Well, you know, but what I, what I think it is more than the actor contracts is the networks not wanting to do, spend the money to make extra credit sequences for just one, one or two episodes, because they talked about that in the very first episode in season one with just their friend, Jesse. I remember watching the commentary and Joss being like, I really wanted to put him in the credits, but we just couldn't afford it. Like the time and money to edit a new credit sequence. I feel like that's probably more where that pressure is coming from of. But again, like, I think kind of like with everything, once someone successfully sets a precedent, you know, spe- a, 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 I guess 
they do put names in Game of Thrones, but it's like, that's one where it was just like, you just can't tell that story if you're giving away everything in the credits every episode. So like, well, the now difference that someone has Thrones done it. too is that only <clears throat> really spoils it if you really know who is playing who. And like, but to be honest, do. some of the lesser characters, like I don't, and I don't really pay attention to the names oh, in the credits but, for specifically that reason. But it's one but where you're not confronted now, but with I like, like with like a video Ned, with, or like an image of someone. I'm thinking more specifically of Ned, right? Like that's the biggest, I feel like that really broke a lot of ground for TV going forward and I'm excited about it. And I feel like that is one, I'm not sure that the name credits necessarily is what would have or wouldn't have given that away. But I'm, I, I just mean to say as a, as a society, we're at a place now where we can, where people are no, thinking about that and how it affects the way you're watching something. The way that I think in 1999, if he had said like, let's do 10 credit sequences, they would have said, how about get out of the room? Cause go make your show. <laughs> but my main point about that is I think on a show like game of Thrones, where you're not editing in clips from the show, like it's yeah, a little yeah. easier to do that because you just take out names and put them in as needed. Cause yeah. they change it every episode. No, I know. I know. I know. I'm not saying it's a one for one example. I'm just saying it's indicative of where we are as a TV viewing society that, people now know networks know that people are paying attention to that stuff. And so they're willing to put the time and effort into it. Whereas I think back then they would have said, no one's going to notice that. Even Uh, though obviously people did. I'm saying, (laughs) I'm saying that networks weren't open to it. I'm just like trying to imagine the network being like, Oh, it doesn't matter. And having everyone in the first episode be like, what? I don't Um, know. I think it's sort of 50 50 though. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. What I really want to know is, beyond the credit sequence, what you're excited about seeing this season. Because I agree with you, this is probably my favorite season as well. Um, And there's a lot coming down the line that I'm excited for. Um, I mean, overall, I guess I, you know, I was thinking this when we were watching specifically Anne, but, um, which is the first episode. Season two is really great in that it ends really great. And the tail end of the season is among the best stuff that I think TV has done. But I think season three is a lot more consistent and it has a better, like they, yeah, what everything they figured out in the second, which is true for the whole show, sort of, but like, I don't know. I just think that season two is great because it has a great conflict, but season three is great because it's a better made show with more consistent episodes. And I feel like they're, you know, as much as we are positive about it because we love it, season two does have a lot of throwaway episodes. And I feel like season three has a lot less of that. Like looking forward to the next couple episodes that we're watching, like Beauty and the Beasts, like that's a great one, you know, like that's a good, it's a good metaphor episode. And it, and I I don't know. So I I just think this season has, is tighter in telling a compelling story. And I think that the conclusion is, is just as satisfying as season two. So it's just like, I'm excited to, to see if that is true. <laughs> I think that every episode is better in this one, but maybe not. I, maybe there's something that I'm forgetting, but um, I am also specifically, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking forward to the end, but I like all of it. There's I, nothing, I'm looking so at the episode list and you. I want to watch every single one of these. <laughs> I would agree with you. In fact, even ones like, for example, Dead Man's Party, I was kind of like, yeah. oh yeah, that episode. But then watching it, I was like, no, wait, what? what is wrong with me? Like, this is a great episode. And I think... To be honest, with the exception of Anne, I mean, I'm excited for every single one of these episodes. What? And, and I think that, well, I, I do kind of want to address this later, but. Okay. Well, we can't it's not that I don't it like later. it, yeah. but it's. We can address it later, but I yeah. do want to talk about Buffy seems to have a premiere problem. That's, but, I feel totally opposite. That's interesting. <sighs> okay, Very so interesting. Okay, so we'll save that. Save that yeah. But 
But I think, like, more specifically, the episode, I think at the moment, looking at this list that I'm mm-hmm. most excited to watch this season is probably Earshot. Mm. Just because we were talking briefly about it a few yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago, and you kind of made a comment about how I was misunderstanding the point of the episode, <laughs> and so, or Jonathan's reasons for um, for things, and so I'm actually really excited to get to that one and see okay. where I've gone. I, I already forget what I said to you. <laughs> I'm trying to rack my brain thinking what I, I said. But it's also an example of, like, I just really love that episode. Like, I think individually, yeah. like, I could look at all of these and be like, oh, yeah, that's the one where this happens. I love that. Or, like, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. This Looking like, at this list, yeah. There's none, like, yeah. uh, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, where I read that title every time and go, like, well, I don't remember what that is. Like, I, I remember every single one of these. Um, also, I, well, no, never mind. I'm spoiling things I was going to say about Dead Man's Party. But I did want to go back and make a point about season two, a, a season two episode, and I was annoyed that I thought about this after we recorded. But um, when we were talking about uh, I Only Have Eyes for You, which is the possession one right before the finale where Buffy and Angel have their showdown being possessed by these ghosts and they confess their feelings to each other and it's like really emotional and really touching and blah 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 um I I mean we kind of said this but like again as much as I love where we've gotten with American TV where we can finally do shorter seasons and not force everybody to tell 22 stories when like they really could probably do it in 13 or you know 16 or something different than that right um I do the thing that the other thing that I love about that episode though is that it's like like I, I feel like sometimes though now we undervalue these like monster of the week type episodes and I just I just kind of wanted to say again that like yeah on the one hand I like that everything doesn't have to have 22 episodes and you get a lot of garbage when you force people to extend their stories but on the other hand it does give you an opportunity to tell more stories and then to sometimes really bring together the moment of the week what you know doesn't have to be a monster in other types of show but like bring together the weekly moment with the greater story that you've been building like again I don't know I'm getting no, a little I, bit off track I just think that there I is something to having that. that as well like monster of the week isn't something that we should be like thank god we don't have to do that bullshit anymore because we can just focus on the art but like it is also really important to have those those other things throughout it and if you can't tell like sort of more isolated stories and I think again that that's a weakness for your show so I like that when not to say, again, like, season two also has a lot of episodes that I could have done without, but I I really like when those two collide and make something even better than you could do with just an arc. I, I think I 100% agree with you in that we do have a tendency now because, you know, especially, like, you know, prestige cable drama mm-hmm. and everything, like, we're not dealing with these types of episodes, but it, you're right in that they do serve a function of... If they're done well, they're just pure fun. And, like, I mean, look at Go Fish. That is just pure Mm -hmm. bubbly fun. But also they give you a bit of breathing room of, like, you know, you're processing this overall arc that's happening, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to jump right back into it. I do think, though, on the other side of this coin, though, that 22 episodes is just too much. It is. It is. And and I mean, Because then you're you're going beyond Monster of the Week to filler episode, and then we have these, like – so-called table-setting episodes that really do nothing to move the plot along, that you're just like, I feel like we're going in circles because you can't advance the plot yet because you have five more episodes to go. Because you got to burn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, no, 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 totally. I mean, I'm obviously better, I think we're in a better place with TV now than we were 10, 20 years ago, but I do still think that that episode is extra, extra special in that it really makes that, like, it elevates Monster of the Week to the level of the, like, season finale almost, you know, while yeah. still managing to be its own isolated thing that you, you know, anyway. And so I think I we're going to see I'm more like, stuff like that 
in this season. Pro like 16 episodes. Yeah, I feel like I I, we need to good... give people their own, a little bit of freedom. Yeah. These ten, sometimes a 10-episode season can feel a little too short, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a problem that, um, you know, I watch the Marvel Defenders shows on Netflix, mm-hmm. and they're like 10 or 12 episodes each, and they... But they really struggle in that they're trying to sell, tell this very methodical, slow, slow burn story. But you mm-hmm. can't like with ten episodes. Then it feels like the last three episodes are like super rushed, mm-hmm. and things just kind of come out of left field. And I feel like they could benefit from a little bit more breathing room to like mm-hmm. flesh out some characters and just have some fun with the fact that you're writing a freaking like show about comic characters. Like yeah. <laughs> they're just like I think that's the problem with those shows is like they sort of lose track of like we can have fun with this, but mm-hmm. you know, they're all trying to be all dark and gritty and God, Christopher Nolan, sometimes I hate you. Yeah, same. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know this isn't what you things. had in mind, but thanks a lot. <laughs> it works for Batman, but maybe not for every single character. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um so we got um well, I guess should we get right into yeah. it? I mean, yeah, we yeah, haven't yeah, really yeah. caught up with each other. I don't know if you want to do that, but I, I like don't care what you did this week at all. <sighs> so. Fine, I know. Yeah, I didn't. Do Although I did week. want to tell you because I think you're going to be really jealous. I just wanted to very briefly mention mm-hmm. that my plans for today mm-hmm. include making Ted's mini pizzas. Yay! Oh, I yes. am so excited. <gasps> and I was thinking I about wait. maybe I'll do a story like on our Instagram. Yeah, do it about it. Yeah, yeah. You should post it on the website and I'm, too. Like oh, link, yeah, it, totally link it, or at, le- at the very least link it, but maybe post it there. Why not? Maybe I'll link it because I don't want to post it there. <laughs> we gotta get up, post it on that my foot blog. Traffic up, so but yeah, exactly. Don't know about I can't your blog. put the. I can put like an excerpt, but we have this thing in <laughs> the internet world called <clears throat> duplicate content, and I don't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, it's like plagiarizing myself. So. Um, yeah, but I, I will definitely do some kind of thing. I'm very excited. I think I'm sort of cheating in that I bought pre-shredded cheese and I bought pizza dough, but at the same okay. time... You like, are cheating, but... Like yeah. The main important yeah. thing is the like the frying. Exactly. Part. I was just going to yeah. say that, so... I bought real herbs, so... Okay. <laughs> you know. Not plastic spent, ones? So I spent my, No, ones? like, not dried ones. I like, know, I spent I my money on, like, real fresh herbs that are, mm-hmm. like, not really in season, so... Okay. <laughs> I was like, hmm... <laughs> Cheap cheese. No, uh, not really. Yeah, it's, I mean, I would have preferred I mean, to spend the money on the cheese, but that's... Well, you're right that the herbs are slightly more... I guess my point is not that the cheese isn't good quality. It's that mm-hmm. it was just pre-shredded because mm-hmm. it's like... I already have an overflow of cheese in my refrigerator mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was that like... sounds like a problem I can, just I can get, help you with. Because I... Well, I want to do a blend. I feel like <clears> Ted <throat> wouldn't have just done like one cheese, right? Yeah. So... It's either I spend $20 buying three kinds of cheese or I just buy the $4 bag of them already all blended for mm-hmm. me. So I actually usually don't like to buy pre-shredded cheese because they put all that stuff yeah. in it to keep it from clumping mm-hmm. and it's, but whatever. That's a, that's a digression I did not mean to go into. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to tell you I was making the pizzas. Yeah. You already know about this, but I will say the only really uh, important part about my week that's not true. But the only important part that I'm going to talk about is that I uh, started buying Halloween decorations for my apartment, mm-hmm. and, and I'm very, very excited about it. And I have further plans. I've been str- scrolling around on Reddit and Pinterest to try and come up with some ideas. But mostly this is all about, like, you know, I just moved into a new apartment. I don't have any Halloween decorations to pull from. So this is, like, my first step into creating 
a Tupperware, you know, like a storage uh, container full of Halloween decorations for myself. So. I like the idea of putting it in a Tupperware. Tupperware is definitely wrong. It has like rubber <laughs> like, bean is like, what I was thinking. I have, <laughs> I have <laughs> one Halloween decoration that yeah. I keep in my Tupperware. Each skull gets its own Tupperware. Um, so, but I know of one Halloween decoration that you have, but it might be at your office. Uh, yeah, those and are my office. The sock monkeys? Yeah. Yeah, I keep yeah. those at work. I put them up every because year. Because one of them is called Angel. Oh, he is? Oh, I named well, him. I, this I is a conversation that we had. Yeah. I think you named him Spike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll write it on his tag when I get to work so that I remember. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. No, well, I'm excited for you and your, your, your many skulls that you purchased. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you reminded me that I actually have no Halloween decorations, but I don't know that I have any plans to really change that. That's your choice. That's fine. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I have, like, some purple lights that are somehow supposed to be Halloween. Yeah. Christmas lights, yeah. I'm going, I'm on the fence about that. I sort of have vague plans for, like, an apothecary table, and I do think that that could benefit from some backlighting, but otherwise, I think lights, I mean, like, if you want to put up lights for Halloween, you do you, but... The lights are definitely so more. So do you mean like too cheery, an apothecary table with like jars and yeah. then like, are you going to do like little torture implements? But I then have, you know what you could do is actually turn your vanity into an apothecary table. I don't have a vanity. Make one. <laughs> well, you could make Step one. Step one, get then, a vanity. <laughs> no, because think of it like little jars of potions and mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's like your makeup and then you could put your eyelash curler and mm-hmm. your tweezers as like I'll torture devices. <laughs> I like this. Like yeah. a very, it sounds like something Martha would do. Like a very yeah. Halloween. Well, I'm going to do it on the bar because we already have some like vintage looking or vintage um, liquor bottles. So I think part of that oh, setup is already, like better. I think it's already got a head start on like, okay, if I make a few more, it won't look out of place there. Yeah. Anyway. And you could have a party and then each little jar can be like little pre-mixed cocktail mixers. Well, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah. I'm going to spend approximately zero time doing any of this and yet I'm telling you to do like insane things. I'm doing all of this for my own personal benefit I want to come to my apartment and say wow it sure is spooky in here and then that's it maybe one or two people can come over if they're special do you have a dummy no I don't I'm hoping Sid to inherit really the one from my right up. from my family one day your family dad- is a dummy? <laughs> well, yeah. I, you've, you must have seen it when you came over to our house for Halloween. This is, okay, sorry we're really digressing, but I have to, an important thing to say, which is the whole reason that I started getting excited about Halloween is because I was talking to my parents on the phone the other day. <clears throat> my dad literally said, just drop the, we were talking about Halloween, but he dropped this into conversation like, oh yeah, it's time to go in the attic and get the coffin down. And that was just like a normal thing that my dad says about Halloween because we have a coffin. It's a really, it like is clearly a decoration. It's like, four pieces of plywood nailed together with some lining, but, um, it's an important staple in like our house decorations. And we used to always have, we had an old suit and a really creepy mask from, from like probably the eighties that we've been still using that we would stuff with newspapers and put in the coffin. But then the fun part is that then we don't do this anymore. Cause like we don't really get trick or treaters, but my dad would get in the coffin at one point, put the mask on and people would still think it was a dummy. Then he'd jump at them. Anyway, what I'm saying is that my family has, there's an, uh, there's already a, uh, what's the word? There's an antique, uh, uh, heirloom that I want to inherit. So I don't need my own dummy. Your family has an antique heirloom dummy that you wish to inherit one day. <laughs> That's the way I'm saying it. Yes. Really? It's a suit and a mask, but you know. 
Anyway. And yet, meanwhile, I'm, I'm going to get in a blood match with my sister over a sewing machine. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, I think it's actually different. we're probably going to fight about that, uh, the dummy, too. So, whatever. <laughs> you helped us make tombstones. None of this should be a surprise to you. But, but I, made you, innocent, I helped you guys you make tombstones, helped, but helped. nothing was decorated yet. So I didn't see the full effect. Mm, I've sent you, I'll send you more pictures. I love right. sending those pictures around. I'll send them around. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Now I got all excited again. Season three of Buffy. Season three. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so first episode is Anne, mm-hmm. um, which is our season three premiere. Mm-hmm. And as we know, we left off last season. Buffy left Sunnydale. She basically ran away in the face of killing Angel, telling her mom she's the Slayer, and having Joyce kick her out. So mm-hmm. we open up in um, the first scene, and we see a vampire emerging from the grave, and we see someone standing at the foot of the the grave and we think oh Buffy's still slaying except twist it's Willow Mm -hmm. so um, Willow and um, Xander and Oz and Cordelia or not Cordelia but yeah yeah um, Willow and Xander and Oz have in Buffy's absence become Buffy or Sunnydale's vampire slaying team um, with I think a 50% success rate (laughs) 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 and um and then, so we realize, like, they're still trying to keep things going in her absence, and, you know, they mention, like, tomorrow's the first day of school, and they hope Buffy's coming back, but they still don't know where she is. And we then see, um, you know, Buffy's in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and she's run away to L.A., which, why she went to go live by an, in an apartment by herself and get a job, I'm not clear of, because she could have just gone to her dad's house, right? I don't think she wants to talk to anyone. How is okay. her dad going to support maybe her in this moment? Or it's he unmentioned, I think. but he doesn't live in L.A. anymore. I don't know. I think I think that checks out. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. she'd be comfortable. Anyway, anyway. The question, the time for questions is later. Yeah. I don't know why I just did that. Yeah. So, um, so Buffy's in L.A. and she's working in a diner and she's working one day and she meets this couple that come into the diner and we... Um, we may already recognize the girl mm-hmm. as Chanterelle mm-hmm. from um, a season two episode with the vampire cult. Mm-hmm. And Buffy gets kind of spooked when she realizes she recognizes her, she leaves, she goes home. But throughout, slowly throughout the episode, like Chanterelle keeps now going by Lily, keeps mm-hmm. kind of trying to be friends with her. And then eventually like her boyfriend goes missing and she asks for Buffy's help in finding him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buffy uncovers basically this demon portal plot thing to mm-hmm. prey on these young um, homeless essentially teens that come mm-hmm. to LA and convince them to come to this like church or some kind of thing to get better or just you know say it's a welcoming place and mm-hmm. then tricks them into going through this portal and basically <clears throat> becoming an army of laborers for mm-hmm. the duration of their the rest of their natural life and then when they age too much, spit them back out into the world, and they die. Mm-hmm. And because I guess time works a little differently in this portal. And so mm-hmm. Buffy uncovers this plot. She infiltrates the um, the underground area, like... Port- well, no, demonic, dimension. Dimension, yeah. It's really kind of... It's a know, dimension. It's its own dimension. Yeah. And, um, and the guy's a little bit like, fine, you can come in here, but you're not leaving. But he doesn't know that Buffy's the Slayer. Mm-hmm. And Buffy basically is like a one-woman army, just mm-hmm. takes down this whole operation and frees, the, frees these kids. Um, some of them. You know, well, some of them, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I don't know if like the other ones didn't want to leave or what, but um, I have I, I know. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so sorry. Uh, so then eventually, like you know, she saves Lily, and then Lily's a little bit unsure what to do because I guess this guy had been taking care of her and so Buffy gives her her job at the diner and gives her her apartment Mm -hmm. and tells her you know it's hard but you can do it and and then Buffy decides it's time to go home because meanwhile in Sunnydale after we see this first initial um Fight. Uh, intro of mm-hmm. the gang like fighting vampires. We see the first day of school happen. We see um, Cordelia come back. They, they kind of pull her into helping. She and Xander um, ha- dance around like, how was your summer? <laughs> oh, I hate you now. Oh, no, we're back together kind of whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Giles interacting with Joyce. You mm-hmm. know, um, Joyce is afraid to leave the house in case Buffy calls or comes home. And so Giles has been hunting for Buffy or searching, I suppose, not hunting. Mm-hmm. All summer, and he gets a lead of you know a girl fighting a bunch of vampires in Seattle. So he like flies or Portland. So he flies. So Giles has been looking for his Slayer. Mm-hmm. You know, Joyce tells him that she blames him, and poor Giles, man, just yeah, still diligently trying to find her. And then lo and behold, Buffy just shows, shows up. up at the end. Yeah. Yep. So that was ugh, that was not as simple and direct as I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have so many questions. Can't you tell? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. But I'm, it's so interesting that you don't, I think, do you not like this episode or you think it's a bad premiere? No, it's not that I don't like the episode. I just, I was thinking about it like, okay, so at the end of last season, we have Buffy run away. And mm-hmm. so now that's like a great narrative choice for a finale. But then you have to kind of deal with, okay, how do we bring all of mm-hmm. this back into mm-hmm. our normal operations? And I, it's not that it's not a good episode. It's that it just, from from the end of this premiere, it has, like, basically nothing to do with the rest of the season. Like, we get a little bit of fallout in mm. Dead Man's Party, but beyond a that, A little like, bit of fallout. The whole you know, episode like, is fallout. Yeah. Yeah, See, but, okay. but my point is, like, you could think of it as, like, a two-part pr- premiere in a way. But, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, like, I don't know. I just, like, was thinking about, aside from the season six premiere, I don't really feel like there's anything that ever really, like, you know has so much to do with the rest of the season, which is, you could say, is typical of a premiere. Like, you're setting the groundwork again. Mm-hmm. You're tying up the loose ends from the last premiere or last finale, and then you're trying to see, like, it's almost table setting. But it's also just, like, not, I don't know. Like, whenever I, like, start a new season, like, this is not one that I'm, like, yeah, I can't wait to watch this episode. That's like, so it's like, like oh, I it's feel totally one where I'm Buffy's a, in L.A. 100% disagree. Like, and not, yeah, like, it. You know, I know this is just one of those interesting things where it's like we're watching the same thing and we're making the same observations and coming to the different different conclusions. Like, I, I mean, I could I could I could get behind like maybe this isn't a great premiere in that, like trying to attract new viewers. This isn't really explained to them what the show is. But I also kind of hate as like a regular viewer of a show. I always kind of hate those episodes where it's like, oh, right, this is where you have to restate who everybody is and explain to us short in shorthand, you know, what that person's function in the group is. So I kind of like that this one doesn't do that. And also, I think compared to the season two premiere when she was bad, I mean, I think that those two episodes, these those two are trying to do the same thing, which is Buffy has experienced an insane trauma and then trying to replace her back into her normal function. So I think that this one is a lot more successful in it because, I mean, Well, maybe that's my problem. Is it on some level, it feels a little bit like a rehash. It is, but this one's so much better. (laughs) It is. It's like their, it's their, um, their Ted version of this type of premiere versus season two's I robot you Jane. Yeah. But I just, I really like, I really like, 
that they take the time. I mean, again, like they can't, I don't think, I don't want them to spend more time with Buffy being sad and alone because that would be boring. But I do think that it's important that they actually do show like that's like season one was bad season two, like having to kill angel, knowing that he was good. And like all of that, like I really do feel for Buffy. And I, and I think that it was important to give her a moment where she has to really struggle with her identity as the slayer and kind of like stuff that's going to come up again in season five, right? Like, does being the Slayer mean that I am the lightning rod for all these horrible things? And how do, how do you move on as a 17 year old from knowing that? I think it makes a lot of sense to give her this, give her this moment alone where she figures that out on her own a little bit. Like, obviously she's still going to struggle with this stuff for the rest of her life because like, how can you not? But I think this does a good job of, of giving, like, I really, really like her and Lily together. And I really, really like the function that Lily serves, which is like basically being the mouthpiece that says like, well, who are you and what do you do? And also calling out all the things that Buffy's afraid of. So that by the end of it, like, you know, when Buffy makes that choice for herself, that like, I'm the slayer and I'm going to tell you jerk demons that this is how it's going to go. I, you know, she's not totally come to terms with everything at all, but I think it's, it's a nice way to put her back where she needs to. I think it's a good way to put her back where she needs to be, which is in Sunnydale <laughs> with her friends. <laughs> well, I agree with you that like, okay, she's obviously gone through a trauma and mm-hmm. she's trying to come out of it. Should we see, I mean, she's clearly depressed. Like she's sitting alone mm-hmm. in her apartment eating beans out of a can yeah. or something. <laughs> and, I think it was like, soup, but sure. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but um, and then obviously we have this metaphor of like, so like Buffy, all Buffy wants to do is like disappear from her old life because mm-hmm. You know, she just can't deal. But, like, then we see this demon metaphor of all these kids, like, being forced to disappear from their lives. You know, and Buffy learns this lesson of, oh, I don't really want to disappear. I want to go home. And, like, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, I just see the way. I don't know that I love the whole I think demon story. That's interesting because I think that's why you don't like it. Because I didn't take away from it that she learns a lesson from the other people. I took the lesson that... What she learns is watching how helpless uh, Lily is, Chanterelle, Lily, whoever. Um, And like when when she's the one that says to her, like, well, what you do is you help people. I think that's the part. But like by the end of the episode, Buffy has come to terms with you're right that I all for all these other things that are going to happen. I am the one that like she when as soon as she decides that she's going to help those people, like she's so capable. Right. Like this isn't one where like the demons don't ever they never have a chance at beating her because she's she's just like, she's really capable. So I just, I feel like it's not that she learns a lesson from those other teens. It's that she accepts that part of her function is good and that she helps people and that she is innately no, she's good not, at doing those things. She's not learning a lesson from those other teens, like those other runaways or whatever. She's learning the lesson from the demon because he's like, no, I guess very, I, that one didn't resonate <clears throat> with me, but what resonates with me is when he's like very unsuddenly, like screaming at her the entire time. Like you get to disappear from your life just like you wanted, blah, blah, blah. And uh-huh. I'm like, is this what we're supposed to take away from this? Because why else are they? But I'm saying, I don't think that's what resonates with her. I think her, I think her relationship with Lily throughout the episode is what resonates with her. So I don't, I don't think it's about her being like, oh, you're right. I don't want to disappear. I think it's about her saying, you're right. I do still want to help people. I do. And I do still want to use my powers for those things. You might be right. And that's what resonates. But I feel like what the writers are Mm. telling us we're supposed to take from this is whatever that demon is shouting at her. I mean, I didn't take that. I took the other thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, so Yeah, I, I don't know where to jump in now because I feel like we co- almost accidentally <laughs> covered everything, except there's still a lot more to say. So um, can we talk more about Lily? 
Yeah, no, we can definitely talk about Lily okay. or Chanterelle, I mean, let's which start is with Chanterelle, and we can get back to Sunnydale. Though, uh, frankly, I don't think that stuff is that stuff is like. Interesting. Um, there's a little bit I want to talk about there, but for now, I yeah. think Lily is the one we're really supposed to focus on, and and I think for good reason because I already talked about this when she came up in the first the first time that she comes up in the vampire cult episode that she's one of my favorite char- side characters in the whole show and the or really in the whole universe because as I spoiled for everyone, she's going to show up again in Angel. Um, going now by the name Anne, which we we figured out that she gets from Buffy. Um, but well, so that was the question I had. I can't remember because it's been a while since mm-hmm. I watched the episodes of Angel that she's in. But is she called Anne in yeah. those episodes? Yeah. So this is the identity okay. that she. That would be with. a good yeah continuity check. And I think what I, I for whatever reason you know I I could definitely see this character and this performance rubbing people the wrong way. But I really loved it. Like, I, she is so, like, she's so helpless, but she's so earnest, and she really, really is trying. And, you know, like, they, they definitely gloss over, like, whatever's happened to her in her life, it's clear that she has had an awful, you know, childhood and upbringing and is really struggling. So, like, she's gravitated towards all of these cults that will, like, make her promises and take care of her, which is the thing that she's been looking for. And so, like, again, I like that they don't dwell on it too much, but that it's clearly, like, it's her whole personality is that, like, she doesn't know how to do these things for herself. So I just really love that by the end, you know, she's the one that pushes the main demon off of the thing, that she does yes. gets this little moment of character growth in this one, you know, 45-minute episode. And then by the end of it, you know, obviously, like, she's saying, I don't know how to do this, and Buffy's saying, it's going to be hard. So it's, like, it's not as though, like, by the end of this episode, she's totally together, but I, I do really, really like the implication that like this is the identity you know she's gone through all these names she's tried all these cults but this is the one that sticks because we're going to still see her this way in in angel and yeah, i don't know i just i really well, like maybe her it's the first one where she's not relying on someone, on someone else. else exactly like she's yeah taking care of herself totally yeah. but i also just i like i said i really really like her and buffy's interactions because they're sort of polar op- opposites you know and especially in this moment in buffy's life like she's like you know Lily is is sad and has a hard life but she's sort of chipper and sort of excited and you know Buffy is like depressed and doesn't want to talk to anyone doesn't want to relate to anyone so I I like the way that they play off of each other and again I think what I really like about it is that Lily more so than I think the demons Lily is the one who spells out everything about the episode she's the one that says well this is what you do you help people and then she's the one also that later in the episode says to Buffy well who like this is who you are I don't know. There was this. That was actually not the right line, but um, I, yeah, I just I think that she. I, I appreciate that. Like, ultimately, in a perfect world, you know, this all should have happened very differently, and the next episode is going to be the one that kind of deals with that. Like, Buffy should have relied on her friends. She should have relied on her family, and she can't do this. Go through this huge trauma alone. So she has definitely made a mistake. But I like that she gets to spend time with another character who more than the rest of her friends and family can sort of relate to what she's going through. And I think that, again, that that is sort of what she needs. At least it provides one thing for her that nobody else could give her, which is, yeah, like another girl who feels helpless or who is condemned to this sort of life, and they just sort of get to revel in that together, albeit, and then make different choices. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Lily in some ways is Buffy just Mm -hmm. a little bit slightly different. Like, they've both gone through trauma Mm -hmm. and had bad things happen to them. Buffy has decided to just handle it entirely on her own, mm-hmm. shut everything away, and like not deal with it. And Lily, you know, is constantly well, searching for grasp someone at literally to anything, give her, like yeah. meaning, and like help her out, and like whatever. But you can kind of see the flaws in both of these mm-hmm. these plans because like Buffy's a little bit she's shutting people out too much. Like mm-hmm. you can see Lily's attempts to like become Buffy's friend, and like mm-hmm. she's sort of wearing on Buffy, but 
Also, Lily is just very, like, has somehow through, like, Buffy has become almost too, too jaded by all yeah, of this. And yeah. yet somehow Lily is still very childlike and, like, And optimistic. Know, comes across, exactly. Yeah. Like, she's very, almost innocent in a way. Of, yeah, she's probably she clearly not, but, like, she but comes she really across is. that way. Yeah. Like, oh, she just right. wants sugar and, like, oh. you know. <laughs> Poor Lily. Um, but she's also like, you know, oh, yeah, things kind of suck, but hey, do you want to go to this party? Yeah, or like, yeah. You know, it's um, like it's kind of like they're two sides of like this coin that like they have similar things and then they kind of learn from each other of like how to deal with that. Um, and I do agree with you. That's the part that works. I just there was something about watching this where I was just like, well, that's so, over. Yeah. Like, so it's funny because I, the other thing that I'm realizing is that again, your point is that you don't like the things that the demon is saying about it. And I actually, so there there is this one really like, I every time cringe at this like PSA style, like when they transition into a scene in the bronze. And so there's like deep somber music playing over the teens walking the streets of LA. And like, I get it. This is an issue, but we didn't need to wedge a PSA into the middle of this episode because, and specifically because I think that this episode already does like I do think that the metaphor with the demons and homelessness and teens and the way that things are are going to try and take advantage of of people in in really bad situations I think that part already works as its own metaphor for for like uh, you know teenage runaways and homelessness and those kinds of problems so it's we I hate that they in the middle of this episode just wedge in this like really over the top melodramatic like 10 seconds and I was like this you already wrote a storyline that covers this so I don't know why you're putting this in here (laughs) Well, no. what's interesting, you're right, is that I don't know that they even needed to tell this story with a demon, but what makes, what I wonder I is, mean, so, I, okay, yeah. so the reason I <clears> thought of, like, maybe the reason they did it was because, one, it's Buffy and there are demons, exactly. but also, um, it reminded me, so there's one of these shots that they show during this, like, really depressing music scene mm-hmm. becomes a scene that's in the opening credits of yeah. Angel, which yeah, is you're interesting. Right. Oh, you're right. And so that made me think of is... We already know at this point from the writer's perspective that we're setting up a spinoff for Angel, mm-hmm. okay? So maybe they already know they want to set it in L.A. Mm-hmm. So is this laying some very subtle, very early groundwork for the fact that there's demons? There there's too. a demonic mm-hmm. presence in L.A., there's a reason to have someone there fighting it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in retrospect, probably. that yeah. kind of works as like an intro to that idea. Like, so when Angel just shows up in LA, you're not like, why is he here? And I think that this does, this, this episode does feel more like Angel than it does Buffy in those, when they're in, when they're in LA. I have it in my notes that it felt very much like a first season, second season episode of Angel where, which are my Someone favorite episodes. Someone innocent from the street, like comes and has a problem with a demonic element in the city. And a really severe personal Someone has to to go. Yeah. It absolutely felt so like So maybe an that is, again, why, part of why I do like this. I, 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 I definitely understand that it feels out of place and, and that it's weird in the greater s- scheme of things, but I just really love it. Um, and I think that sometimes with a show, you do have to take s- little side steps to get your story to come back together, which is like, yeah, Buffy ran away, and they have to find a way to bring her back. But um, I think this is, a, this is my favorite way that they could have done it. Um, but yeah, I do also, uh, I like Ken the Demon, I mean, and I, I think he, that they also, you know, it comes has, back it has on, to be um, monsters because, yeah, too. because that's the whole point of Buffy is that they're the demons within are demons external as well. So like, I do think it, it makes sense that they're, she's fighting demons and not just a religious cult, but, um, but yeah, that, that actor comes back, but he's not playing the same character in Angel. 
No. But he does that he does that good thing. Also, I also thought he was kind of a setting the stage for the mayor because he has one or two things where he's just really frustrated about rules and rule breaking. Like when Buffy is, yes. is causing havoc in his little sweatshop, uh, he says like, this is not permitted. And I was like, that literally could be a line that that is something the mayor would say. So I think that's also kind of a, a fun, like very subtle setup for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah. yeah. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on at the school. Okay. Um, so the gangs all got their first day of school, no Buffy. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing that I really enjoyed about all of this was the Xander and Cordelia stuff. I also liked that, yeah. It was just like Realistic. so Xander and yeah. Cordelia. <laughs> like they see each other and they're kind of like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Bye. And then they like the entire episode they just start bickering again. Xander gets the idea to use Cordelia as bait because mm-hmm. when does he when is he not eager to use Cordelia as bait? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Certainly. Um, and then they all, but they. I also love all the scenes watching them fight the vampires because they're doing everything that they've seen Buffy do. Mm-hmm. They're just failing at it so badly, <laughs> including the punning. Yes, that is the thing that I think about punning. literally every time I watch Buffy. I think about that line where they talk about like, well, we took her punning for granted, and I love thinking about that as one of her Slayer powers. It's my favorite. Yes, but we also um, forgot to so say that Oz also is back in this, school. He yes, so Oz, I I am totally on board with the retcon here that okay. yeah, Oz Same. failed his senior year, so or didn't complete it, so he's back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is the only thing. I mean, like, how do you incorporate him into the show and have him be like this, like, yeah, college boyfriend or whatever? It doesn't really work as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, it totally fits with Oz's character that he would just like forget to graduate from high school. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but so I want to talk also about Joyce and Giles. Yeah. So Same. we get the scene where they kind of discuss what happened and, um, and Joyce tells him that she blames him, which is extremely harsh. Um, it is, but she, she blames it in a way of like saying that Giles, I think what she's saying is that Giles has brought all of this responsibility onto Buffy's head and she, of course, ran away from it and mm-hmm. it's too much and it's too much to put on a child. But then Giles kind of responds with, I didn't make Buffy who she is. Right. Kind of either saying Buffy is going to do what Buffy wants to do or that perhaps Joyce is partly responsible for it as well. And that's an um, interesting take. I, th- I mean, I just on- I only took it as the literal, I didn't make her the slayer. I'm not responsible for that part. No, but I think Which is he neither, also that's neither of their faults that she's sort of implying that like perhaps, you know, hmm. there are two sides to Buffy's life, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a home life too that you Yeah. Know. So it was just really interesting because it's I, the first time we really see them interact since Joyce finds out that Buffy is the slayer. And so now yeah. she knows that Giles isn't just kindly librarian Giles. Right. Like he's got what? more of a presence in her life. In fact, that she's angry because he had this massive presence uh-huh. in her life that she, that she didn't know about. about. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting because I think what, uh, with the exception of, of with an ex- one big exception, I think this episode and the next one, those kind of, all the, those conflicts about Buffy and and this like all of this stuff kind of finally coming to light. I think that those conflicts are really well 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 written because I think that everybody has the right to be angry in this situation and everybody has the yes. right to have behaved the way that they did. And so then to have to watch them all deal with it, it it, it is interesting because really nobody's right. You know, nobody nobody is the like aggrieved one and then the other person is the one that made a mistake. They've all made mistakes. So I think that that's kind of getting us off on that foot here with Joyce and Giles, like 
neither of them are wrong, though, because honestly, if Giles had come to her and said, I'm her watcher and she's the slayer, she would have filed a restraining order against him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think as much as she is and she resents him correctly for being so involved in her daughter's life without her knowledge, which I think is absolutely she is right. She's the parent and she should have known about this. But also from Giles side, like knowing that that could have endangered their relationship, which is equally important or at least equally important to the world that like, I, you know, I don't think that he necessarily made the wrong choice. He made the wrong ethical choice, but I don't know that he made the wrong practical choice in how he was behaving. So anyway, but I like that all of these arguments are going to have that weight of like everybody being right and everybody having made mistakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's tough, but it's, it's good that everyone, especially in the next episode, like we get everyone finally talking about it. At yeah. Least. Yeah. Um, so, um, one more thing that I want to talk about before maybe we move on mm-hmm. to Dead Man's Party is that Angel is in this episode. Right. So, we get it spoiled by the opening credits. Mm. I don't um, think, but yeah. Not oh, so much because this is, Angel... In, in the episode, it's not clear if he's, you know, those are dreams. No, no, no. So, Sorry. like, Angel kind of appears before the opening credits, I think. So, it's not entirely spoiled, but... Mm-hmm. Um, so Angel appears, yes, he appears in a dream, but, um, you know, he's, it's obviously like a window into like how Buffy's feeling about this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she desperately just wants Angel back, but like worries that also like he blames her for having to kill him mm-hmm. and all of this. But what I was wondering about that dream was, was it actually like a prophecy dream disguised as like Buffy's comfort Angel dream? Because, um... Ricky in the diner says the same thing to Buffy as Angel. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if that was supposed to be a signal to Buffy to like, hey, pay attention to this couple. Like, this is your window to helping people. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Like, instead it kind of has the effect of like scaring her off. But like, I think. Yeah, I I never took that dream to be completely just a dream. Because I think anytime they choose to show us Buffy's dreams, it's not. It's more than that. But yeah, I like that. That it's a little bit prophetic. Yeah. Um. Oh, God, I had one other thing that I wanted to say, and I forgot what it was. Well, I want to talk about the end when Buffy shows up. Okay. Because that, I know I talked about how I didn't really cry in the finale. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, man, she opened the, she, like, opened the door, and I was, like, bawling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean. So I'm not a robot, guys. I cry. (laughs) I also, I, as I kind of said already, I was really touched. Um, I didn't cry in this episode, at least not actual no I didn't but um when Buffy like finally in the demon fight sequences like takes back you know takes a weapon and like turns around you know they use that scene in the opening credits and that's one of my favorite credit sequences that they use for Buffy um like where she's got the kind of like sickle (laughs) I just I really really I I always love when she has a rush or maybe again I think she's still a little bit dead in this particular episode but when she says like I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer who are you like and when she grabs the weapons and is like already destroyed 10 demons like I really love those like kind of swells of 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 action and emotion um which come to think of it I think is but another thing that's like 100% like owning her power like, exactly like I am this what, what are that, you it's a moment of accept of her self-acceptance that I think makes it really really nice like that's why again that's why I think it puts a good point on the episode of like it's just nice to see her doing that thing it's nice to see her not running away from her problems because she is so good at this and um 
Also, I'm realizing as I say this, because this is a thing that's going to come up for me again in the finale, and I wonder how many other times in the season, but that in particular, like a swell, they they build action sequences in this season, I think better than they've been doing. And even the whole fight sequence I thought was like already a, a step above what we had seen in season three. So like even just kind of that actiony aspect of it, I think has gotten a lot better. And, and that's the thing that I particularly react to when people, when they do the like pan up on like a well prepared person or group of people is like, I really, I always get a little bit like choked up about that. But some of that oh, too so is like, I it. think just like, <clears throat> you know, there's some actors that are naturally gifted at sort of faking combat and some that aren't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of this comes from now we've got three seasons of like Sarah Michelle Gellar learning how to do these action sequences mm-hmm. because yeah, she does sense. have a stunt woman, but like it looks the most seamless with a stunt person if the actor can do mm-hmm. a good amount of convincing choreography as well yeah. because then you don't have to rely on so many far shots and right. like hiding the face and all of that. So I think that's part of it is like just but I also think they're her, her learning. I, I think as with everything, like the budget went up and they well, all have probably more experience. That too. I mean, I it obviously went up because they added a cast member. Right. So. so. And I think, I think rightly so. I mean, I think after the season two finale was when people were like, oh, this show is a thing mm-hmm. and we should be paying attention. Yeah. And I think the network probably rewarded them yeah, for that. I'm so. certain. Yeah. <sighs> okay. That makes sense. Uh, okay. All right. So you want to talk about Dead Man's Party? Yeah. It's ironic though, because I don't, I, I do like this episode, but it was not my favorite. That's not ironic. But, um, anyway, so this episode picks up. I always remember, I have, I mean, well, I went, okay, do the, I don't know why we keep jumping (laughs) into the the discussion before we get the recap done. So, so this, no, no, I I was just about to start it. So, yeah. So this episode picks up basically right where the last one left off where Buffy just has just come back to Sunnydale. It's within like a day or even some of the same night. I think it's like it within is the same an night. hour. Yeah, almost. That, so yeah. she's come up. She's seen her mom. Um, they have a strained conversation. She sees like basically Buffy goes to see everybody that she left behind and all of them are ha- are having like tense conversations. It's all very strained. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody's saying we're mad about this, but they're all clearly not being behaving normally. Um, so, you know, Buffy picks up on that as does everybody, but, uh, as she kind of goes through these interactions, finding Giles, finding her friends, finding her mom, um, they, uh, she kind of keeps feeling left out of everything. She sees how everybody has been able to move along without her there, uh, including her mom who has like this new obnoxious book club friend and her friends who have taken up slaying in her absence. Um, So in the midst of all that at home, Buffy and her mom decide to have, or her mom really decides to invite people over to have like a nice get together, a nice dinner with her friends and family. And while Buffy's in the basement getting some plates, she sees a dead cat in their basement, which is sad, poor patches. Um, And um, also I forgot the most important thing, which is that in the very beginning, Joyce has brought home from her art gallery job, some like uh, ancient, face mask and hung it on the wall so Buffy finds a dead cat they bury it shortly later the cat reappears and they know that they know that it's the same cat so they give it to Giles uh to kind of investigate what's going on um meanwhile they continue moving on with this party it turns it quickly spins out of control and and it's not just her friends everybody is too uncomfortable to have like intimate conversations so they all keep inviting other people and it turns into just a very loud party like a regular kind of teenage party, which is weird because Joyce is there, but whatever. Um, 
I have some yeah. things to say about that whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as the cat has come back to life, it turns out that this mask is reanimating all of the dead in Sunnydale. So soon we have a team of zombies all chasing after coming to their house because that's where the mask is and that's what's drawing uh, it's drawing them to it. Uh, Giles figures this out at the school, so he comes back to help. They all fight off the zombies. Uh, not. Uh, although that takes place af- after they all have loud arguments with one another, increasingly loud arguments with each other around the house, and then they have to fight off demons together, which sort of helps uh, cool things off a little bit. <laughs> it kind of helps brings everybody uh, get everybody set back to a more normal state, and then that's kind of where the where it ends. Um, I also didn't mention that Joyce's friend, who Buffy really doesn't like, nor do I. She's super obnoxious. Uh, ends up putting the mask on, which turns her into this demon that was calling all the undead anyway. And so Buffy has to kill her, uh, which is not unsatisfying. Even though I feel a little bit bad that that woman's dead. Um, but I mean, I think, Buffy's a little bit too blasé about killing her mom's new friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, she didn't have a choice. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the the again overstated theme of this is that things don't just stay dead you know all of her friends all everybody Buffy included Buffy and her mom and her friends and Giles are all trying to just move along as though nothing has happened when clearly they need to address everything (laughs) that happened um so I I think that the you know the the monsters for this one and me aren't I get it and it's again it's kind of the background metaphor they don't really do anything for me I did really enjoy but even the metaphor, I think it was like a little bit weak, um, though I do. I, what I enjoy about this episode, like I said before, is the fights that everybody has with each other, with a big exception of exception, of course, being Xander. He made me absolutely nuts in this episode and did all the things that he did wrong in season two. He just doubles down on them. And it was very frustrating. But everybody else has has to get their piece out. And I think it, it's very interesting. Well, because we see like the only person that ever seems explicitly overjoyed to just have Buffy back is Giles because like we see that scene when she shows up at his apartment Mm -hmm. and they're all sitting there and he's making tea and he he has a very like British moment in the kitchen of like (laughs) allowing himself just a split second of just like relief and like joy and then he's like back to normal and like Joyce is obviously relieved but then she's immediately like once again immediately walking that line of like how much freedom do I give Buffy? Mm-hmm. How much do I play disciplinary? I mean, like, by all rights, Buffy ran away. Like, right. no matter how relieved you are to see her, like, she should be grounded. Right. Like, and Joyce is like, oh, you're going out? Yeah. Um, okay. Will you be slaying? Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's a, just I kind of... an adorable line. Yeah, and it's, I mean, but uh, you're right in that everyone has something to be angry about. I mean, like, her friends were, Buffy left them all, didn't even tell them she was leaving. Mm-hmm. So that hurts on some level. She abandoned her post, so she abandoned Giles. Mm-hmm. You know, her friends didn't have to take up the mantle of slaying while she was gone, but mm-hmm. they chose to, although they're weirdly angry about that, and she didn't force them That's to That's true, that. and they were enjoying um, it, so I, yeah, yeah and I, Joyce, I don't buy that. But. Joyce is obviously, like, angry because her daughter ran away. <clears> like, <throat> these are all valid things. And then, I mean, Buffy was really irritating in this episode because mm. she's mad because everyone keeps blowing her off because they won't magically just pretend that nothing's wrong. Yeah. And it's like, you left without... And then she's like, you guys don't understand. Like, I couldn't do this. And it's like... But they she never very tells them point why. Out, like, yeah. she never tried. She never tried to tell them. She just assumed they wouldn't understand. I'm not even sure if at the end of the episode they even really know what happened. No, they don't. Like, if she they definitely tells don't. them that she killed Angel. No, that comes out in um, a later episode. Which And that's yeah. a, a bigger point that I have, too, is that it. this is kind of another 
like miscommunication is sort of tragedy setup where nobody can have a conversation that they want to have because they don't have all the information. So I, I, I do agree that Buffy is being annoying, but I think again, like I, I don't think I don't blame her for that. Being but seventeen, the only and reason having, they don't have the information is because she didn't tell them. But I'm, like, I that's but my point. It's, it's like interesting. It, though, there's no. This is all a false construct. But, yeah, but I think it it was hard for her to talk about. So I think I understand her inclination. I think that the person but who has the most just, valid complaints is Willow because I think she is somebody that Buffy could have confided in because she knew. She was the person who knew everything. I understand why she couldn't tell her mom because her mom barely even understood the Slayer thing at all. So to then explain like what had gone wrong with Angel and how all this had come to be, I think would have been, you know, I don't think that would have been cathartic for her or really helped her any, in any way. But I do think that she should have trusted Willow to tell Willow what happened. I think Willow could have done what she does best, which is be a buffer against everybody else and explain, be the one who's there to give Buffy the moment that she needs by herself. So I think that is the part that she messed up on, but I, I think you're underestimating or you're not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. I, I, think- I really am not. Like, because I think the thing is, is like Buffy, you're right. Buffy went through this horrible thing. Maybe she felt like she couldn't tell people. But if you make the decision not to tell people, then you cannot be angry that they don't understand what you're going through because you never tried to make them understand. But I think like, this, this is, the- is my point. It's like, it doesn't matter what the thing is. It's like she's mad at them because they don't understand, but she has never once tried to make them understand. That's true. Like, it, she could have told I them. Think, yeah. She didn't have to tell them the whole story. She could have just been like, Angel's dead. I'm really hurting. Like, that's all she has to say. But I think that... What it's weird because you usually take the argument of like, well, Xander does these things because he's a teenage boy and that's how teenage boys act. But like Buffy is a teenage girl and that's how people act. You're irrational and you do get mad at people. It's easy to watch the episode and say, why don't you just tell them? But like, I mean, when I was a teenager, I definitely would do that sort of thing. Like, and I think no, Buffy's still- definitely being react like um, irrational and dramatic and but like I think when you put melodramatic even and it's like she has every reason to be so. But I'm like, I'm not mm-hmm. giving her a pass here. Like, I 100% am not like. I, it's probably 100% due to her being a teenage girl, but like just like with Xander, when it's due mm-hmm. to him being a teenage boy, it's not any less annoying. It's true, but I, I feel, I think the thing... Like, I feel like you're giving her a pass where you won't give Xander one. Well, that's because Xander repeatedly does the same things over and over again. And I think what is, again, I think Xander also never goes through the trauma of killing his lover right when they get their soul back. Like, she's, she, her life is different, so I think that she should... But Buffy's favorite, but like favorite defense for people is you wouldn't understand. But it's true. (laughs) Who could? But she never tries. Like she, she just dismisses Hmm. it as you wouldn't understand it. Maybe they wouldn't, but she's not a person who's good at confiding things. It's true. But I think what the reason that I, it's not that I cut her slack because I, like I said, I think everybody is to blame in this episode. I don't think, but I don't think that she magically holds all of the blame. She's the one that has to carry the mantle of being the Slayer, and so I think that she, she does like her life. She doesn't hold all the blame. Her friends are really crappy to her. So that's what I'm saying though. Is it's like it's not that I'm cutting her slack. It's that I'm trying to equally spread out the blame because I think everybody's at fault. And I think that the big fail here, and again, this is what makes it so tragic, is Joyce and Giles are the adults who should be able to help navigate the group through this, in my opinion. However, they can't because of the specific positions that they've been put in. Like, I think with Giles, for a moment when I was watching this, I was like, you know, I'm really disappointed in Giles that he's not doing more to explain to everybody how this thing works. But then what I realized is like, of course, as we've said many times, the Watchers are not supposed to have the relationship with their Slayers that he does have. So the fact that he's, you know, he he's also car- carving new territory with this, where he's trying to provide emotional support for her. I don't think anybody's ever done that before. So it's like, I understand also why he doesn't have the tools to know that this was the thing that was going to happen, because in all of his years of study, 
everybody would have expected her to die at the end of that season. So like, you know, that he still has the fallout of all this stuff. I just think that everybody is woefully unprepared for this really big catastrophe that happened. And I just feel bad for all of them, except for Xander, who is righteous which kills me. Okay, I will agree with you that his righteousness is out of so nowhere. frustrating yeah. in the face of the fact that you could arguably say, I mean, he does honestly, know more than he everybody. He might not be the reason Angel's dead because, yeah. like, honestly, all exactly. he did was he didn't give her the the message like to wait that they were working on this, oh, yeah. but it might have been too late anyway. Like, that's fine. But the fact that he did not deliver the message that he sent her mm-hmm. on her way to kill Angel, and he's so like. God, Buffy, how awful are you? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's get out of my insane. face, Xander. That Even Cordelia like, is I, saying, Xander, you're going too far, is like, Xander, you've gone too far. He's the only one that doesn't have a legitimate grievance with her. All he does is argue on other people's behalf because he didn't actually care at all. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I didn't at all from him. I think he cared that she wasn't sure, there. Sure, sure, but I didn't at all from him see the personal strain that you clearly see with Will. And like, again, as we say all the time, like it's because Alison Hannigan is great at being sad and she's so heart wrenching when she's explaining to Buffy that like, you're my best friend and you weren't here for me. And you're also not telling me anything. Like that's really hard position to be in. Like for that position, you're right. Like Willow gets it a little bit better. Xander does feel abandoned. Like he's angry at her for leaving, but I think I mean, the whole thing is like they're but they're, you're right. Like their approach to it is just terrible. Like, I mean, but it's also so, immature and like but that he like they're they're all teenagers like it's like you're you're pissed at your friend but you don't really want to say it so what you do is you just blow them off right like that's what you do like willow blows buffy off for coffee sure xander like turns down her invite to hang out i mean really they all could have just been like oh we have school right (laughs) yeah yeah, you know they didn't do that and then um but then like this like the thing that riled me up the most is like Joyce is planning this dinner party yeah and it's just like a small intimate dinner and they decide that they can't handle you know a small intimate dinner so they invite a ton of people to Buffy's house like did they check with Joyce like I'm assuming she she was kind of like blase about the whole thing so like I'm assuming they checked with her but like how rude to be like you know what your dinner party is a great idea but how about I invite 50 other people (laughs) who are gonna play loud rock music and and smoke in your house it's so freaking rude yeah And the fact that they don't even pause to consider, like, hey, should we ask Buffy's mom? Like, they're just like, yeah, great idea. Like, I'm like, and Giles is just kind of like, well, like, like, you are awful people, like awful guests. I don't even care if you are the dip. (laughs) I did like Cordelia in this episode as I like her in most episodes. Um, And again, I think I I think Willow's particular uh, kind of. Uh, storyline throughout this episode, like you said, like where she starts out by just avoiding her because she's uncomfortable and then turns into when they finally do get their things out, everything out on the table. I think that 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 one is the most compelling to me, even though I think obviously Buffy's relationship with her mom is is very compelling, but it is slightly less interesting to me because I know that some of the blame is just circumstance, whereas I think with Willow and Willow and Buffy legitimately are best friends who are having a fight. And I think that one was a little bit more interesting and a little bit more realistic, but, um, I mean, I'm not trying to like rank the conflicts, so I don't know why I'm kind of going down that line. All, all I'm trying to say is that as Willow did her normal Willow thing, which is make me, uh, heartbreak my heart a million times and then help me stitch it back together. So like the final scene together where they're telling around is adorable. And the way that they get through this stuff is adorable. And I, I love her. I just really love her. She's the only one who I, like I said, she's like the emotionally mature one who can explain why she feels the way she does. 
Yeah, but I think also it's telling that, like, Buffy and Willow talk it out. Yeah, Because, true. like, they do have this conflict. But, like, for Joyce, like, the conflict with she has with Buffy is basically solved by just the fact that she finally sees Buffy in full Slayer true. action. True, Like, she doesn't have a full understanding, even at this point, of, like, okay, Buffy mm-hmm. says she's the Slayer. She says she kills vampires. She saw Buffy kill a vampire last season, but, like... But one and not with a lot, This yeah. is... This is the first time where she sees Buffy taking on That's a very like, good point. this whole charge of zombies and like making sure everyone's safe mm-hmm. and like, you know, trying to solve everything and like she kind of <clears throat> sees, "Oh, I get what this is." Mm-hmm. Like and, and the fact that then she's like, "Oh, is this normal?" and then <laughs> Buffy's like, "No, nah, this is like Easy. nothing." <laughs> like then she like she kind of gets the scale of like what's what her daughter's dealing mm-hmm. with. That is a really good um, point. I hadn't even put that thought yeah. Together, and so. then Giles's main conflict is just with the stupidity of Joyce because... Well, I mean, I don't think it's well, fair to call her stupid. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Her stupidity oh, of, like, mask. Yes, of course. hanging <laughs> that mask in her, um, in her... I love it. He's like, oh, do you like my mask? Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. <laughs> yeah. He was a gem in this But also, that's the other thing is, like... Can you take home art from an exhibit that you've curated and just hang it in your house? I don't think so. Uh, And it's like the ugliest thing. Like it does not cheer up your room. Like it's very, it's like very menacing. Like, um, I do also think we would be, sorry, not to get us back on the whole negative argument train, but I do feel. Can't you tell I just don't want to talk about this anymore? (laughs) Allie, you and and I need to have a conversation. (laughs) Um, No, but just that I think that the one really good zinger that Buffy gets in about to Joyce, though, you know, is that you did kick me out. You literally told me never come back. Yeah. And like, I think Joyce's response is, is equally valid that I don't know how I could possibly come to terms with all of this in the 10 seconds you gave me. But I ultimately, you know, Joyce is the parent. And I, I really do think it's a great line when she says, like, I'm also human and I mess up because that's like the terrible thing about getting older is realizing that your parents are just humans who are just as susceptible to making mistakes as you are is a terrible thing but I, I do appreciate this show's not at it and maybe that helped one or two teenagers understand their parents once but anyway. yeah um I um, also want to talk about Jonathan in this episode and really yeah. yeah both of these episodes have let all the side characters you know even in the, the last episode when they're running around school we got to see Larry who gave us a hilarious like Sunnydale's gonna be so great this this year if we can have not quite so many mysterious deaths (laughs) you know I I love what they do with his character who's like now that he's come to come to terms with his sexual identity doesn't have to be doesn't have to put on this horrible like facade that he was doing for season two and it's like great we're gonna get to see him be fun and Jonathan in the party just like being himself but what was great that I, I didn't actually notice this until Alex called it out when they were fighting off the demons he grabbed somebody's guitar like one of the band members guitar he was attacking de- uh, zombies with the guitar and it was just hilarious to me oh Jonathan I saw somebody doing that in the background <laughs> but I didn't realize it was Jonathan I did like we got another instance of Cordelia and someone in a closet yeah essentially. <laughs> although we didn't really get as much of um, as much joy out of that one this time but I was like oh they do love putting Cordelia in a closet <laughs> um no, I thought it was all great. Um, I was very happy when the party foul guy died. Yeah. Like the one who kept answering the phone. It's just like, uh, oh, no one, there's no buddy here, Mr. Belvedere. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing that we skipped over is that in the, the sort of background element is that Joyce is trying to get Buffy back into school since Principal Snyder expelled yeah. her. Um, 
and I, I, I do like those scenes. And again, that's kind of the conclusion of the episode is watching Giles be his like most awesome ripper self and just literally threaten Principal Snyder if he doesn't let Buffy yes. in, <laughs> which is just a joy. Oh man, Ripper makes an appearance yeah. in this episode. Giles hotwires a car. Yeah, yeah. He, he threatens Snyder, which is just great. It is great. Um, because Snyder so deserves it, you know? And it's like, and it is clearly the only way to deal with him because Joyce is doing everything as much by the books and like pressing him so hard. And it's like, well, that's just not going to work with him. So one thing I didn't like about this episode is they did beat the, um, the nail on the Mm -hmm. head a little bit with this. Like even when they're doing the cat funeral and Joyce is like, goodbye, stray cat who lost its way. We hope you find it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, someone's like, you can't just bury the dead or wait, why is, or I liked her funeral speech. I thought that was a sweet thing to say. Because Buffy's, because Buffy was the stray cat who mm. lost its way. Oh, okay. So I just really like cats, so I went too literal with that one. <laughs> oh, that's a sweet thing to well, say. Well, I was going to ask you if, you if you thought the kitty zombie was cute. No, he's not cute at all. But I like that they name him Patches, and I would probably take a zombie cat in. What do they do Apparently with it? they smell. <laughs> I, I guess he disappeared. really want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... I. I mean, they're kind of like, you know, you just can't bury stuff. Yeah. Like, well. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is why I, I think lo- it is okay, one of the weaker metaphors, because it just doesn't really go that far other than that line. But, like, he could have just said that line. I don't, you know, like, I don't think it added a ton, other than giving them the moment that they all get to bond around that helps them kind of get through it. Yeah. Also, we get the first mention of the mayor this season. Yeah, I was going to just bring that up. Yep. So Snyder threatens Joyce, like, oh, you could take it to the mayor, and um, and Giles is like, well, pff, fine. Who cares about local circles? I'm going to the state supreme court. You've denied this child an <laughs> education. Uh, but I do, I do feel uh, see that the mention about the mayor in this episode, and I mean, we said this in the end of season two as well that um, they're definitely playing a little bit fast and loose with who the mayor is. And I think that in an, in an effort to be mysterious about him, they say things that aren't true because I just. Joyce is the one that says, I'm going to take this, even if it means going all the way to the mayor. And Snyder's like, ha, 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 I'd like to see that. But what we're going to later see about the mayor is that he is a terrible, evil person. And he has a lot of evil plans. But he likes order. And he takes his role as a like his civic duty really seriously. So I don't really buy him being blasé about a girl's education, as they say. You know what well, I mean? So it's like unless a weird... you found out that that girl was the slayer. But all of this hinges on him knowing that and Snyder knowing that, which I just don't think is ever established. So it's just a weird threat for the for Snyder to make of like, I guess Snyder is just like so hopped up on power and knowing that the mayor is ultimately involved. I don't, but he doesn't think that the mayor is evil. So I just don't really get what they're, I think they're just trying to be mysterious. And I think ultimately that doesn't jive with who the mayor is depicted to be, who is somebody who loves rules and loves education <laughs> and loves his community, albeit is happy to yeah. eat it. So that bo- it bothered me a little. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point they don't really know. They, they've just been threatening us with the specter of the mayor, but, but we don't really yeah. But he's going to appear soon, no? No, I guess he t- it takes a while. Um, I don't actually remember which one he shows I'm not sure to. either. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. So I guess the only thing I have left to say is there was a very egregious continuity error that I noticed. Okay. <laughs> When Buffy came came home after Willow blows her off for coffee, mm-hmm. 
Which also, it made me think, like, the outfit she's wearing is, like, this is someone that Snyder has just described as, like, a delinquent and, like, <laughs> you know, like, all this stuff. And, like, she totally just does not ever look the part of that. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. But she's wearing these, like, blue wedges. I saw this, yeah. Okay? <laughs> and then she goes in the basement and she's getting the china down and she doesn't have those shoes on. She has a different pair of shoes on. That's funny because it's I was literally, sort like, of five seconds later. for that, but didn't. Yeah. It was weird. Uh, I like her blue also, wedges, Also, she's very into the high-waisted, wide-leg pants this season, yeah. so. But I, I mean, I think those are making a comeback, so who knows? In three months, I might be wearing those, too, so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you to it. Well, you know what? She's probably my height, so I guess I could pull it off. <laughs> she's a lot skinnier mm-hmm. than me, but I bet I could. Uh, yeah. But all in all, I'm excited to be in this season. I did like these episodes, um... And now I just want to go watch all the Anne episodes of um, Angel. <laughs> I'm gonna like look. Up, I'm like gonna look up her arc. One? She appears a couple times. I feel like she's event. She's definitely in it for like the run of the show. Well, mm-hmm. that's what I remember at least. I'm gonna look into it because I'm curious. Um, funnily, when I was uh, reading about the, I didn't find anything particularly interesting about these episodes, but um, except that the name for the um, Dead Man's Party in German, they called it Night of the Living Dead. And I, I'm like, that's too on the nose. Oh, Dead Man's Party. Yeah, that's what I said. But um, Night of the Living Dead is already a zombie movie. I appreciate the effort, but... Maybe they felt like the reference would do well. Yeah. Um, Okay, so next week we've got Faith, Hope, and Trick Mm -hmm. and Beauty and the Beasts. So... I'm excited about both. Yes, we get to meet... Well, so Faith, Hope, and Trick are all namesakes Mm -hmm. of three characters. Mm -hmm. So guess which one Faith is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and Beauty and the Beast is like one of my all time favorite. For sure. Episodes, it's so, so good. Yeah. It's kind of the, I feel like it's the emotional successor to I Only Have Eyes for You. <laughs> In a it's way, not quite yes. as powerful. Well, it, you know, they're not doing the same thing and it doesn't have the season long arc build up to its execution, but I think it is similar. Very similar in the way that they'd make a great use of a monster of the week to tell, to expand on also the, the arc. Do you have any pop culture recommendations this week? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Um, I don't think I talked about this before, but at some point last year, I caught up on uh, The Good Place on NBC, the Kristen Bell show with mm, Ted Danson. Yes. Somebody, uh, somebody was encouraging me to watch it, so I watched it with I watched it with my friend and got pretty far into it. I probably was, because I was really into it. Oh, I mean, you know, I mean, it was my friend Laura, because we watched it together. But, um, well, okay, well, I, I just really like it, and season <laughs> two just premiered, and I watched that episode last night, and... Uh, then watch some of the old, then watch some of season one because <laughs> I was really mad that there's not already a second episode. Sometimes it is really frustrating to like I binged the first season of that show because it was all out already, and then now being like I thought oh, I have to watch two, this one by one. Uh, Jenny, you might want to check that. I think two episodes premiered. I watched what everything that aired. It was long. Oh, but, okay, okay. Um, it was two episodes, I think. I yeah, think was, yeah. But uh, what I mean to say is that the whole season isn't out, so. Uh, yes, no more binging. I can't just sit there for four hours or six hours or whatever. Um, anyway, um, I just really like that show. I thought it, it's very good. It's very interesting. Uh, it stars Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, and it's a, the like setup is that she wakes up after having died, and Ted Danson tells her that she's in quote unquote the good place as opposed to the bad place, um, and she knows right off the bat that they've mistaken her for someone else and that she's not supposed to be there. And so she has to kind of navigate uh, how to stay hidden and what she wants to do and how to 
maybe become a better person because as it turns out, she was awful in real in real life. Um, but it's a, it's a very interesting setup that like could easily go wrong and somehow manages to never go wrong. <laughs> like the show, I mean, which I think is not surprising because Michael Schur is a Michael Schur show and all the names that I see in the writing credits are all really talented comedians and people that just have a lot of experience working on network TV shows. So anyway, I highly recommend it. And season two, I think is off to a good start. Yeah, they kind of blew up the show at the end of season mm-hmm. one, and so I haven't watched the first two episodes yet. I'm probably going to watch them later today. I liked them. Um, yeah, I'm excited that that show is back. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Like it's, I mean, I did watch it last year, like mm-hmm. one week at a time, but um, it's, it's frustrating this pace schedule that we must get when yeah. we watch shows that air. <laughs> and sometimes I like having something to look forward to every week, but when it has like a big plot element to it, it's frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Um, but. I mean, I've experienced this with Buffy, mm-hmm. you know, like just want to binge mm-hmm. it now and I can't. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that's a that's a good show to check out. And I think NBC last year had a very quiet, good year for comedy yeah. in that they introduced The Good Place and then also Great News. Um, oh, I haven't watched which that. Which is like really good as well. If you if you like 30 Rock, I bet you'd like mm. that one. It's in the same kind of zany mm-hmm. kind of vein. Um, I didn't know, I was thinking that I didn't really have a pop culture rec for this week, but I guess that's not true. So, um, Outlander Mm. started up again, Mm -hmm. season three. I haven't watched it. And I read, I read the first book of this and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, but I I started watching the TV show because it's the guy who did Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. So it's Ronald Moore. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just this like beautiful, lush, sweeping epic set in like gorgeous Scotland Mm and you know um it's just a really pretty show but it's in its third season so we're getting more into like the twists and turns of some of the plot Mm -hmm. um it's a very like dramatic show Mm -hmm. I guess I would say um but it's also very like kind of like the opposite of Game of Thrones in that like there are a lot of like sex scenes but it's like very much all done from like the female gaze mm-hmm. and like all of this and it's like kind of refreshing to watch mm-hmm. um it's like very subtly feminist in that it's probably not subtle in that they're meaning it to be this mm-hmm. way but it comes across like nothing feels like shoehorned in mm-hmm. but um it's just like taking the fact of being a woman as a matter of like this is just normal and what women do and not making like giant you know Productions mm-hmm. of like, look at these women right. kicking ass right, or whatever. Right. It's just like the women are naturally the strong characters mm-hmm. and all this. And um, so, if you are into sort of sweeping fantasy type shows with strong romantic elements mm-hmm. and beautiful scenery, I hundred percent recommend. Okay, maybe that yeah. will scratch the it the whole scratch the whole. I'm wow, uh, uh, fill the hole that has been left because I'm not watching Game of Thrones anymore. It might, I mean... Like, what you're saying you is, is seems like it's going to be similar and, you know, fantasy enough to, like, fill that requirement, but then not drive me crazy because of all the other stuff, so... Well, I will, I Sorry, will tell you, I like, if you want to compare it to Game of Thrones, like, Game of Thrones, problematically, throughout its run, has had this interesting relationship to rape, mm-hmm. and um, there's a very significant rape that occurs at the end of Outlander season mm-hmm. one, but the way that they handle it and the aftermath is, That's, I, this like, is what I've heard of. So yeah, it's much you're better. You're reminding me. Yeah. Um, 
It's on Stars though, yeah. so I don't know how easy. I think the first few seasons are available on Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, I found out the other day that I actually get Stars, okay. and I didn't know that. So I was like, you know, "Oh, I'll back. I wonder if I'm if I can see this." So you might want to check. I think you know I need to I do that for the like, good place too because I realized I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure how I'm going to watch this one if it's not out all at once yet." So I don't remember where I watched yeah. it last season, but I was like, "Oh, I think we have cable and can record stuff." So well. Um, I'm going to go make some pizzas. Okay. I can't wait. I'm really excited. <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm, well, first I'm going to make some breakfast and then I'll make some pizzas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have pizza for breakfast, mm-hmm. but. But I should you? I want. Actually, I, I've got to get my oven up to like 500 degrees, <laughs> which is its high limit. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take me an hour. Okay. <laughs> so I've got to, I've got some time. Um, cool. Um, well, till next time, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I will. Um, I'm team Lily. Oh, right. Um, shoot. I'm Team Giles. Okay, you know? that's fair. He figured out what was going on. I'm always Team Giles. Yeah. I'm, like, noticing a pattern. <laughs> Although this week, I, he's very much Ripper Giles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, like, hotwired his car. He figured out what was going on with the mask. And then he uh, threatened Snyder at the end. So for all of that, Team Giles. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. <laughs>